Hello and welcome to Journey Through Scripture Podcast, the podcast where we walk through God's Word together. Today we're going to continue our journey through the book of Acts, this time in chapter 7, continuing a story that we began in chapter 6. Now I want you to think back to the book of Daniel. Now we have not done the book of Daniel in this podcast, but if you've read it, think back to chapter 3 of Daniel. I think it's a, a very wonderful chapter. It's a very difficult chapter at times, but we have a chapter where we have three young men who are thrown into the fire because they refuse to bow down and to worship foreign gods, or in this case, a golden idol. And as they throw them into the fire, the king looks down and sees four people, and he says one is looking like the son of a god or, or divine or this aspect of something not of this world and they he they come out and there's three guys that come out and they're untouched unburnt and they say we told you that god had the power to deliver us from your hand and as we reflect on that we don't know if that was a christophany or an early appearance of Jesus, uh, but and we don't know that, or if it was just an angel, but we do know that God's presence was there with them in the fire, that God was walking with them in the fire, and chapter 7 is like Stephen's fire, and we're going to see that the stories are very similar, and yet they're very different in other ways. They're similar in that they both will go through a fire experience. They both would rather die than to compromise their faith, compromise their belief. And Stephen is just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that way. They, he will not compromise. They would not compromise. And we're going to see that as he goes through his storm or his fire, though it's not a, a fire in his case, but it's like a firing squad, that he will not compromise and that God is there with him even in that situation though God is with him in a different way, and it's a different conclusion. So the the question that I want you to think about as we begin to read through and kind of gloss over chapter 7, it's a long chapter, and we're not going to be able to focus in on one part because it's a connected whole, and we need to—I'm going to give an overview of the message that he gave in his sermon, but I want you to think about what happens when God does not deliver someone out of the fire. Meaning Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered out of the fire alive. Stephen will not have that chance. And often in our lives, we'll go through different seasons of storms or fires, if you will, if you'll take that metaphor. And we have to think about, even will we be faithful knowing that God may not deliver us in the way we want to be delivered? Meaning, maybe we won't get out of the sickness we're in. Maybe... We will lose our jobs. Maybe we will have to sacrifice certain things we don't want to sacrifice. Maybe we'll even lose our own lives. What will happen and what does it look like to have faith in a fire that you don't know if you'll be delivered from? Stephen didn't know if God was going to supernaturally deliver him, but he was okay because he knew he was there. So let's dig in to chapter Seven with those kind of parameters and those kind of thoughts in our mind. Now, again, chapter 7 comes off of chapter 6 where we have Stephen in a kangaroo trial, and it's obviously they're trumping up charges on him. They're using false witnesses a lot like they did with Jesus, and that's 
not an accident. That's very purposefully written in by Luke. And it ends with, his face was like the face of an angel, which means they all knew he was innocent. Now it's his turn to respond. They know he's innocent. Even at the end of his sermon, they still know he's innocent. And they're just going to kill him anyway. Spoiler warning. So he, they ask him, are these things true, what people are saying? He doesn't answer that. Notice, he doesn't say yes or no. He just says, let me, let me tell you something. And he begins to, to deliver a sermon. So Stephen recalls but through this sermon an overview of Israel's history. He's calling these priests. These are spiritual leaders. They would have known the history very well, so he's not saying anything new for them. He's not saying anything they would not have known. He's actually recalling things they all had in common, knowledge they all held. And he gives them this overview of Israel's history. And through this overview, Stephen rightly sees that the main actor throughout all of Israel's history and all of history as we know it is God. God called, God led, God gave, God protected, and so on and so on and so on it goes. He's going to highlight what God did through Israel, with Israel, for Israel. Like Nehemiah, he's also going to highlight Israel's resistance to that or Israel's negative response to God's mercy and his grace. So even uh, verse 9, we see this. As he, he, he walks through Abraham, and Abraham has no children, but he makes him a promise. And then he has a child, and he, he kind of goes through the 12 patriarchs. And then he looks at one of them being Joseph, and he says, And they sold, they being the patriarchs, the other brothers, sold him into slavery. And I like what he says in verse 9, But God was with him. God was with him. And God rescued him out of all his troubles. And he follows through the rest of the story of Joseph, and, and then he gets to Moses. And Moses' story begins very interesting because, again, they're under great oppression at this point. See, Joseph becomes a great leader in Egypt, but Joseph dies, and the Pharaoh dies, and there's a change in power. And the new Pharaoh doesn't know Joseph, so he doesn't know his, his people, but his people flourish and they grow. And because they're a big population, if you know the story of Genesis, you know that Pharaoh decides to enslave them. And the, the slavery is hard and the oppression is severe. God has not left his people. He, it, even in the midst of this oppression where they're having to basically leave their, their baby boys outside to die, God protects one, Moses. And he's raised in Pharaoh's house in kind of an ironic twist. The, the, the one that was supposed to die is raised in the house of Pharaoh. And we see that Moses sees the oppression of his people, and he tries to deliver them by kill, killing the Egyptian, and they obviously reject it. Now, it's a very interesting reading, because Genesis takes a very negative approach to Moses basically trying to re rescue them at, with his own hands. But we still see that what Stephen's highlighting is God appointed Moses, because then Moses flees out to the wilderness of Midian, and there he, he encounters God at the burning bush, and God says, I'm going to send you back in to rescue my people. And he goes, I can't do that. I tried once and failed. And God said, but I will be with you. I am appointing you. But we see that even though God appointed Moses, we see that the people of Israel still rejected him. Even though that through the power of God, Moses led Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness, they're still going to not trust 
Moses. In verse 33, the people of Israel right out reject Moses as their rescuer. Let's look at verse 33. Let's zoom in for a second. He says, The Lord said to him, that's Moses, Take off your sandals where you're standing is holy. I've certainly seen the oppression of my people. For one thing, remember, God sees the oppression of his people. And he sends deliverance, just not always on our timetable. He goes, I've heard the groanings, and I have come down to set them free. No notice. I have heard the groanings, and I have come down to set them free. That God will be with them. God is involved in this. This isn't just Moses. This isn't God saying, you do it as a proxy. God is saying, I will be with you as you lead them. I have come down to set them free. And now I will send you to Egypt. And then... As Stephen looks at 35, he says, This Moses, whom they rejected, when they said, Who appointed you as ruler and a judge? This one God sent as a ruler and a deliverer through the angel who appeared to him at the bush. This man led them into the wilderness. And what do they do in the wilderness? Well, before we even get to that, he led them out with signs and wonders. He performed signs and wonders in Egypt with the plagues and signs and wonders in the wilderness through many different things. Read the story of Exodus and Numbers. It's fascinating the different things that that God does through Moses. And by the way, those signs and wonders there is a reference to Jesus because he also did signs and wonders. Don't miss the connection he's making. He's saying God sent and appointed Moses as as a deliverer. He's, he's going to reference, God also sent Jesus as a deliverer. Just as Israel rejected Moses, you rejected Jesus. Moses did signs and wonders. Jesus did signs and wonders, and you rejected him. You rejected God's appointed. So in verse 39, Stephen comes to the meat of his sermon. So if you want to zoom in on that, zoom in on verse 39. And he says that their ancestors were unwilling to obey Moses. It's not that they had trouble, but it says literally, our ancestors were unwilling to obey him, that's Moses. Instead, they pushed him aside, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt. Despite the deliverance, so I mean, notice that, despite of the deliverance, despite of the signs and the wonders, they longed to return to the chains of slavery. They chose to worship in the wilderness lesser gods. Don't rush past that, by the way. As, as, that's, as we start asking the question, that's great. We understand that this is in the Bible. We read that. And we know Israel's history. If, if you're a student of the Bible, you know this. You know these stories. But don't rush past it because Stephen, as he's delivering this to the priest there, Luke is in return writing it to us. So don't rush past all these things and think, oh, that's great for them, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, but it does, because it makes you go, oh, how much this is still me, that God has delivered me from death unto life, and yet I return to the slavery of sin, and I worship the lesser gods of this world. Oh, that I would destroy such idols that I would long for more of God and to destroy the want for slavery of sin. Because when we read this, it, it should remind us that we too are a stiff-necked people, and he'll get to that in a minute. We too, though have been delivered, long to return to our, our chains, 
that is a struggle we have. Paul captures this in many of his letters as he talks about this, and specifically in Colossians, is putting on the, the new self and taking off of the old self and this struggle that he has to, to kind of put on the old self occasionally. This is this return, this idea of wanting to return to, to, to our chains of sin. And it's interesting because we find out Paul is at this sermon. I wonder if God used that to impact him in his writing of Colossians later in life. Just a theory. Then he gets to verse 51, and we have the audience's hearts and their ears are uncircumcised. He, he says in verse 51, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, which means you're not a part of the new covenant. You may be circumcised to the old covenant, but you lack the new covenant circumcision. Your hearts are hardened. Your ears are, are blocked. You can't hear. You're rejecting the Holy Spirit. You're fighting against God. And they were doing it even as they listened to him. They were resisting the Holy Spirit. They knew the law was was of God. So verse 53, you received the law under the direction of angels, and you have not kept it. Now he's not talking about Israel's past. He's talking about them specifically. They knew what the law of God was, but they did not keep it. So let me not run too quickly past that. And you don't run too quickly past that. Otherwise... I might find myself, and you might find yourself, pointing at a mirror. Let me instead repent and submit to God. We know we know the Word of God is given to us by God. We know it's special. We know it's holy. And yet so often our temptation is to ignore it, to resist it, to not listen to it, to not keep it. Don't run past these things. As you read this, let it cut you to the heart that you might repent. Remember when Peter gave his sermon, people were cut to the heart, and he said, what do we do? And he said, repent. They're not cut to the heart. Instead, sin reacts with sin, and Stephen has his fire moment, or is in the fire moment, and he sees the throne of heaven as he looks up, and he sees his Savior, and they kill him as a result. Unlike Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Stephen is killed martyred but yet don't miss the fact he was not alone that he looked up and he saw his savior he saw jesus jesus was with him even as they killed him so notice a few things about what happens here Uh, let me let me read it really quick i know we're running out of time just hang in there a second longer It says, Stephen, in verse 55, Fool of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears. Isn't that interesting? They had uncircumcised ears, according to him earlier, and they covered his ears as he speaks the truth. And they rushed together against him, and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses, now those aren't witnesses for Christ, those are witnesses to the murder of one who loved Christ, but watch this, laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, name drop on purpose, chapter 8 will be about Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord, receive my spirit. Remember Jesus' prayer on the cross? He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. Again, remember what Jesus prayed on the cross. And after seeing this, he fell asleep. 
Let me give you a few notes as we conclude. He sees the throne of heaven. He sees his Savior. They kill him as a result. His responses are parallel to Jesus on the cross. That's not an accident. Like Jesus, Stephen died. Stephen was buried. And Jesus' promise to him and his promise to all of us is that we will rise again when he returns. Stephen does not die in vain. He dies in hope. Let's live not in vain, but in the hope of a promised king. Jesus was with Stephen in the fire. He will be with us as well. Jesus carried Stephen home. Let us love with faith in the one who has power over death. Let us sacrifice our time, our money, our talents, even our very lives for the gospel. He will be there with us every step of our journey. And sometimes that journey is a return to home, true home with him. Thank you for journeying through Acts chapter 7 with me, and I look forward to seeing you in chapter 8 next time.